All right. If you're listening to this, it's probably Tuesday, August 29th. We're three, four days away from the CCC race, and Brett Hornig and I are back to preview the women's field. Yesterday, we previewed the men's field. A lot to say about this women's race, perhaps starting with recent history and what went down at last year's 2022 event headlined by Blandine Lirondel, who's now racing UTMB this time around. But 1250 won this race in 2021 for the women. If you ran 1250 one year later in 2022, that would have gotten you somewhere between eighth or ninth place in 2022 because Blandine won the race in 1140, 10th ran it in 13 flat. There was an hour, 20 minute spread. Any other year, anybody in that top 10 is more or less winning the race. Brett, do you have any thoughts on that? A and B, are we in for a similar, similarly executed fast race this year, regardless of the weather? Yeah, I'm curious because like all the races were fast last year. Yep. And the weather was good. It was good, but they've had other years with good weather too. I mean, I think part of it's just been the straight up like aggression early on in the races. Well, no, actually that's not true. The races have always gone out aggressively, but then people didn't slow down. That's kind of what it was. I don't see why we wouldn't see that again, especially with CCC. Um, I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe I was talking to you. Oh, I was talking to you. We were talking about CCC yesterday in that this is a race that encourages going out really hard just because of how bad it bottlenecks after one mile. I think that's what yeah. like one mile, right? It's miserable. Yeah. yeah. So the race, so UTMB starts out relatively mellow, like out of Chamonix, big wide dirt path, couple little rollers, but it's almost 10 K before you hit the, the legit trails that's a lot of time for it to spread. Like it's very spread out by the time you hit the single track, like at least at the front of the field is not an issue. CCC is not like that. The race starts going uphill. I think the first mile climbs 300 feet yeah. before, and then you have one mile before single track. So you have to, for me personally, I'd rather have an aggressively hard flat mile than an uphill mile. I don't know why. That's just the idea of an aggressively hard uphill mile going into harder uphill miles worries me because when you dig that hole going uphill and you just have to continue to go uphill, that's tricky, but that is kind of what it takes to have success at this race. So there's some, you know, just even scanning through the field, who are the people that are good at going out hard because they just have that leg speed and that super high end, like high VO2 max to not be at the top of their like aerobic limits by the first mile. And like Blandine is a perfect example of that coming from shorter, faster trail running, you know, having one OCC and then taking it to CCC, like starting out that first mile overly aggressive, probably not too big of a deal. I'm curious who that person will be this year at CCC. Um, Cause we've actually got a lot of, a lot of experience and a lot of strength at CCC this year where we could potentially see a similar time as last year, but it won't come until the second half of the race of like they're 10 minutes behind Blandine splits. They're eight minutes behind Blandine splits. Like they're five minutes behind Blandine splits. I could see something like that happening this year where at first it starts out looking like it's going to be a slower year. And then it's not just because of some of the people that are in this race 
that was a long ramble about the start, the starting mile, but, <laughs> um, it's yeah. no point well taken. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was fortunate to have some firsthand experience. I ran this race back in 2021 and just based on the circumstances, based on my skill set, I was in retrospect, probably overreaching, but I spent the majority of the first 50 K of the race hovering around the top five, top 10 women. And especially on that first climb, I tell the story a lot. I was blown away to your point about the VO two max at how hard these women were pushing themselves and identifying those women, just hearing their heavy breathing, et cetera. And then still after the race, seeing that they either held or improved upon those positions and, you know, won the race podiumed, et cetera. Like th that did not undermine their race. That did not mm -hmm. put them into dire straits. That was not, if it was overreaching, it was strategic overreaching. So yeah, I was blown away. I was very impressed. Yeah, and like if if you get to time trial this course, is that the way you're going to run your fastest time? Probably not. But you're starting the race with lots of other people. You have to strategize your race around other people on the trail. So if that means I got to go out kind of hard and then hope I can back off and then turn it back on again, because that's just where all the people are. That's how you have to race this thing. You know, like sure, maybe it is not the smartest way to run the absolute fastest time. But when you factor in the traffic and the congestion out there, that's just what you get. So American women performed pretty darn well at this race last year. We had three of them in the top 10, Abby Hall, Aaron Clark, Taylor Nolan, Tara Fraga missed it by 40 seconds, taking 11th mm -hmm. of that contingent. Only Aaron Clark is back. Uh, Tara Frog is back as well. But yeah. Abby Hall had been intending to move up to UTMB before breaking her leg. Taylor Nolan did move up to UTMB. So in addition to that, only three, there's only three returners from the overall top 10 last year, American or international. So there's a lot of opportunity. What are your thoughts there? This UTMB coverage is brought to you by Oladance, wireless Bluetooth headphones delivering 19 hours of battery life, superior sound, the ability to still safely hear your surroundings, and an open ear design so you can wear them for long periods of time without developing ear pain. If you're interested, head over to oladance.com forward slash ST and use code ST at checkout for $30 off their OWS2 headphones. Also, thanks to Pillar Performance, a sports micronutrition company that I was introduced to after having Sam Parsons from Tin Man Elite on the show a while back. I use their pineapple coconut flavored triple magnesium product, which delivers high potency magnesium glycinate for better sleep and added recovery during my training blocks. If you're an American-based listener, head over to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and use code SINGLETRACK in all caps for 15% off your order. For international listeners, that same code and that same discount will work at a different URL. Go to pillarperformance.shop. And finally, thanks to Kodiak Cakes, makers of my favorite pancake mix. It doesn't just taste great. It's also 100% whole grain and packed with 14 grams of protein per serving that helps with recovery. Go over to their website, get yourself a few boxes of the mix, and in the process, use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. With that, let's get back to the show. Yeah, this race is kind of open in a way. And I think that's, you know, that's really exciting kind of like you had said, like there's a lot of opportunity here. There's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of, yeah, like sure. Maybe there's not as many people from the returning top 10 last year, but there's people who have had success at CCC in previous years. And some people who maybe didn't have as much success at CCC last year, but appear to be better 
this year. I mean, that's kind of the name of the game in the sport is continual improvement. So like, I'm sure for all the people who are racing CCC again this year, it's not, I want to be as good as last year. It's, I want to be better than last year. So who actually is better than last year? And, you know, I think there's definitely some people, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting how we don't, I don't know. Do you think we have that one person who it's like, they are going to be the one leading after the first mile, two miles. Do you know who that's going to be? From the American contingent? Or like overall, like who's going to be the person that takes it out where it's like, you know, like, like we were saying for UTMB, it's like, I can see, you know, Courtney and Ruth and, you know, being at the very front of the women's field um, because they, they're okay. They're confident enough with that. Who from the CCC field do you think will be okay in first early on? I think Eda Nielsen is going to feel extremely comfortable in first. I have long felt that this 50 to 50 mile to a hundred K mountain running Verdi yet still pretty runnable distance has always been her sweet spot. She's been doing a ton of training with Lainey and Tim from the craft team there in Chamonix for a bit. In addition to that, you know, she spends a lot of her winters up there in Norway, you know, training with Petter and stuff on skis. I know she DNF'd here last year, but was third in 18, got that first place performance at the Canyons 100K earlier this year. That was so impressive. Second at the Thailand Long Trail Champs, you know, way back in 17, first at the North Face 50 in San Fran, won Transvolcania that same year. Mm-hmm. Just everything on her record shows that, like, this is a sweet spot distance for her on a sweet spot type course. And she's a vet. And, you know, like her time is now, you know, she's in her early forties and still performing at a high level. She's so having like the best like, year, if not now, career. when like best 2022, 2023 have been so good. Um, 17 was really good. Yeah. 17 was a good year, but, but this, this was really, this is really good now too. Yeah. Interesting. Like DNF at CCC last year for Ida and then bounced back to get second at worlds in the long trail at Thailand. That's a good bounce back. And then seventh in her Western States debut, 100 mile debut, which is crazy to think that we're like, how has Ida not run a 100 miler? But Ida's just been, Ida hasn't had to run a 100 miler. And then Ida finally decided to run a 100 miler. Question for you. And I, I know this is very, it, there's a lot of speculation involved, but like you take somebody like Helen Mino Faulkner, who raced this last year, ran 1308. And again, in a lot of years, 1308 wins this race where mm-hmm. it's on the podium. She's been on a tear. She won the Broken Arrow 52K Sky Race. You and I were there for that, saw that in, in person. Uh, one speed goat here in my backyard in Salt Lake City last month. At what point when you have these successive elite results and you're really winning races in convincing fashion, do you reach this conversion point where you realize like, in Helen's case, I am her H E R in all caps. And you're like, I, I can, I can, I belong at the very front of every single race I compete in. You know, I'm here to win. It's hard to know because, you know, I haven't, I've never interviewed her. I haven't asked her, but like, do, do you experience like a, a personality change or a mentality change about these races? And it's like every single race I belong at the very top and I should race aggressively or set the tone. Helen Mino Faulkner is a different runner from last year like i don't know helen but i know the races she's done and i know like i'm just she won broken arrow easily 
Yeah. Like she wasn't pressed at Broken Arrow. She was all smiles, like chilling the whole time. Was Speed Goat like that too? I wasn't there. I think it was. She had a like, really, I, I, we'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to ask Lee and Mike who were uh-huh. on the ground watching, but um, I, I think, yeah, it, it, a different course too, but I don't think she was pressed. And like the other thing that we're, we haven't mentioned is she won the Valhole uh, by UTMB 80K in May. Yeah. Like 13th at CCC 2022, three wins at pretty big races, not very pressed. Something hap- something switched after 13th at CCC. I feel like CCC was kind of like the coming out party where it was like, oh, I'm, I'm really good at this. Like, okay, now it's time to be very good at this. And, you know, I think, I think we're going to see Helen improve quite a bit from that 13th place finish from last year. In addition to Helen, I I'm very high on this women's contingent from America that is lining up for this race. So you've got Helen, you've got Addie Bracey, Hannah Allgood, who also, you know, ran an excellent race here last year for the time that would have 14th, which would have been competitive, very, very close to podium potential in any other year. Aaron Clark, Tara Fraga, Emily's von Clem, Allison Baca, who I want to talk about at length for in this episode, mm-hmm. and same with Emily Schmitz. Yep. So people who have had really impressive results at really important races in the sport in the last year, all here to represent the states. Yeah, I would argue that the overall female American contingent at this race is slightly more exciting or in-depth than the UTMB women's contingent. Yeah, that's one of the features here for me. Can we talk about Aaron Clark a little bit? Let's do it. Where, gosh, so Aaron got seventh at CCC last year. You know, it's like the highest returning American. Crushed the Lake Sonoma 50 mile to earn the world spot. Did not run worlds due to injury after Lake Sonoma. Is one of those people, I think, like similar to Drew Holman, where it's like when Aaron Clark races, she empties the tank um, and goes like beyond all out seems like it it took a little while because i remember like when we ran into her western states at the very start um when we were walking back she was like just starting to run yeah i have she got 32nd at sierra's and all a few weeks ago where is her fitness level gosh i don't know It, it i guess when when you when you describe that race in those terms, my, maybe my expectations are a little bit lower for this race, but I also, without ever having talked with her or too much, like have not having had her on the podcast yet, I don't get the sense that she feels pressure to line up for races that she's not ready for, or that would jeopardize her health. Like as soon as she got the sense that she was injured after Sonoma, it's, it's not like she pushed the envelope to get to worlds. And there are a lot of people, I mean, we were just talking about Blandine who attempted to race, you know, worlds through a foot injury, a lot of people do opt to fight through, you know, suboptimal training conditions and, you know, nagging injuries just to like make the appearance on that start line happen. I don't get the sense that that's her. And at the very least, I feel like she's healthy. And the only question mark is like, did she have enough runway to get to her, you know, potential her top level for this race? I know that 
a training block is not defined by one week. But I will say, two weeks ago, she put in a 19-hour week with almost 30,000 feet of climbing. Wow. That's that's a solid week of running. Um, you know, even this week, well, I guess we're at the end of the week, but she, she finished the week with, oh, she did throw in a bike ride there. Okay, okay, we're, never, we're starting to taper. Never mind, disregard everything I said about this week. But last week, though, last week was like, you know, 90 miles, 30,000 feet of climbing, 19 hours, like all around here, like big, big vert, big running. Like you have to do, you you have to have a level of confidence to trust that your body can even just make it through that training week. So um, I'm thinking that maybe the 32nd place at Sierra's and all a few weeks ago is not indicative of her current fitness level. Yeah. Was that tacked on to the end of a pretty big training week? The week before that wasn't as big, but I think because part of that involves travel coming over okay. to Europe. Oh, and that was the week of Sierras and all. The week before that, though, was pretty big. So, yeah, the question is just like, what was, I don't know what her buildup was like last year to CCC and if this is better or worse. I mean, coming off an injury, it's hard for anything to really be better off of this short of time. But, you know, maybe, maybe it is. Yeah, this is another one of those just kind of like wild card people of, I guess it's somewhat similar to Jim Wamsley in UTMB, where it's like, can you cram one block and be ready for the, for a UTMB race? Like, I don't care how good you are with how good the rest of the world is. I just don't know if that's good enough anymore. I know and that's just where I'm at. That's just where I'm at. That'd be a really fun stat to run. Like based on your, the amount of time you've spent in the sport coming off an injury, how successful have people done in consolidated blocks at their, you know, a races in the year and, and ended up performing like what's been, what's been the strikeout rate versus, yeah, you know, for sure. Top 10 stuff. Like that. I think the one thing though, that Aaron has going for her is she's been historically not a huge volume runner and had a lot of success off of lower volume so this this training block might actually be very normal whereas jim operating off of 30 hours a week of running it takes a little bit longer to get up to that volume Mm. but yeah overall i'm extremely excited about this american female contingent i i'll go as far to say that I think five of the American women lining up for this race could reliably go top 10. And in addition to that, almost every single one of the others is a bubble top 10. Mm. I think this is okay. a very strong representation of the, uh, the hundred K specialists or fanatics or interested in our, in our country after worlds last year, seeing Allison Baca and Emily Schmitz work together to, uh, you know, to break into that overall top 10 in Innsbruck in the long trail world championships was so cool. You were talking about, um, in our UTMB women's episode, Esther, basically after finishing these races, you know, immediately going and like tending to the the kids, picking up a kid after, you know, going into a full squat. We, we interviewed Allison post race, you know, I mean like moments after the race and she already had, you know, a kid in one hand, like meanwhile, some of the other American top finishers were like sprawled on the ground, throwing up stuff like that. And so just like the, the, the post-race endurance, the post-race strength is strong among these folks. I'm always so impressed. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, these moms are built differently. 
different. Like it's just like like that's different. just how it is. Yeah. You wanted to talk. You wanted to talk about a few more Americans uh, from this American contingent. I mean, yeah. So we talked about Helen. We talked about Aaron. Allison. You know, I she's got her Strava set to private. I got a request follow to see exactly what she's done. Have not been able to see that data has been slightly quiet or not quiet, but just not talking as much about this build up to CCC. So not much context there. I'm just going off of what I see as just positive momentum and impressive results at key races to sort of demonstrate like why I'm stoked on her prospects Mm -hmm. here. Similar with Emily Schmitz, and similar with Tara, actually, of these people, I get we get the most DMs to the single track page about Tara. They're like, I think we have a lot of listeners and viewers in in the Washington State, and they're like, keep an eye on Tara. Tara's a crusher. Like she's just, you know, she's just getting started, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, and uh, there's a ton so. like eleventh, eleventh at CCC last year for Tara. Like, yeah, we, like we talk about how many returners are from the top ten, but like how many were knocking on that top ten door, like. Tara Frega, Allison Baca, Helen Mino Faulkner, Hannah Allgood, all of them were right outside the top 10. Like yeah. that in my mind is absolutely top 10 potential. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure all of them, well, I'm sure a lot of them being calculated as many as people are projected splits based on the previous years. Here's what it takes to get top 10. Here's what it takes to get top five. Here's what it takes to podium, et cetera. And they were probably just running, a lot of them are running that to a T and anticipating that, you know, history would play out and things would fall back to them. And just Mm -hmm. because of the year that it was, things didn't. So these are great races. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. We're going to have a strong, strong American contingent, but I, I don't know if we really have that, like, one American that's going to be like competing for the win. I mean, like if if it, if we had, if an American won, I would be surprised. Yeah. I I feel like this, this is one of those years where we really couldn't say it in confidence pre-race, but there'll be one or two American athletes that we, in, you know, we look back in time and say, Oh yeah, that was the inflection point. That was the pivotal point where, this person truly became like primetime world-class and they're always, mm-hmm. you know, in, like, like a Helen could perennially be considered a top contender for the win, no matter what, at any race after this. And I think if Aaron Clark didn't get hurt after Lake Sonoma, we would be talking about her race perhaps a little bit differently. Um, like I think Aaron's yep. ceiling is high enough to win this race, but I don't know if just the amount of time she's been able to dedicate to training for CCC this year, is enough to be contending for the win. I hope I'm proven wrong, yep. but that's just what I see. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? Oh yeah. I guess, um, you know, 14th last year at CCC fourth at Lake Sonoma in April is Hannah Allgood. Her racing has been a little bit hot and cold the last, you know, like 2022, 2023. Um, if the right Hannah, shows up at ccc i think we're looking we're looking top 10 for sure but i don't know what needed to be fixed after dnfs at worlds and black canyon but i hope that they are um her training has looked really good 
in terms of just like consistent, like not too much. Hannah's definitely a believer in the back-to-back long run. Like I think I looked at like <laughs> five or six weeks straight of like a 20 and a 15 or something along those lines, but usually like 35 to 40 mile weekends. I've always believed in Hannah and put long-term stock in Hannah, not because of anything she's done in the moment, but just because I've always, just based on what she's said, I've always interpreted her as a student of the sport. And even if she maybe is doing like a type of training or she's had certain race results that like put, put things in doubt about her standing, like I just... I think like she's directionally correct and she has the underlying talent. And I always tell the story that like, you know, she was one of the first people that we ever had on the show that copped to like watching, going back and watching live streams, like as game tape to study courses, Mm -hmm. to study other competitors, uh, to do visualization. And, you know, I think when you have that type of mindset, that's kind of like what, you know, a lot of the great basketball players have done like Kobe and stuff. Like when you have that type of mindset about the sport long-term, Typically, things play it will out as it you will pay it off at some point. It will pay off at some point. Yeah, yeah. totally. So. International field, yeah. international field. I'll, I'll rattle off a bunch of names, and we can kind of maybe take them one by one, or whichever mm-hmm. ones we have the most to say about. But we talked about Ida already, Priscilla Forgy, Emily Hoggood, Emily Forsberg, Ingvild Kasperson, Jenny Quilty, Eleanor Davis, Audrey Tangay, Zara Garcia. I'll say two more. Rosanna Bukauer, who uh, took fifth year last year, and then uh, Johanna Antila, who I think took 10th year last year. Those were the mm-hmm. other two returners. They're back in the field. I'll start with Azara Garcia because she has one of my favorite Instagram posts that I've come across recently. Okay. She, and she actually wrote this in English, so I, I didn't have to do Google Translate. She said, I am the storm. Ooh. And I am the storm. I will back that up with a stat. Let's hear it. Out of the last 10 races that have a UTMB index, seven were wins, three were DNFs. That's amazing. That's so like storm-like behavior. That is a, yeah, that's the storm. So it's like, if she finishes, she wins. <laughs> and the most recent race to result is first at Valderan in July. So I'm glad that was great that I was able to back up that Instagram post that you read. That's amazing. That stat. That's, we did not plan that. Um, no, we, we did, did not, not plan, plan that, that but that's what I had written out. Yeah. So it's just a matter of if you're betting on uh, Azara to finish or not is basically betting on her to win or not. Yeah. And so to your point, DNF to UTMB last year, DNF to CCC in 2019, did take second at OCC in 19, one trans Grand Canary in 21. So, you know, the potential to be successful both on this course and in longer days in the mountains is certainly there. Yeah. Uh, two, which, which version shows up? Two big DNFs this year at Worlds yeah. and Zagama, but has bounced bounced back with a big win at Valderan. So, yep. It's just seven wins, three DNFs of the last 10 races. Like percentage is still in the favor of winning, but this is a very, very competitive race, very stacked field. You had mentioned a couple of. A couple names who are doubling back from Western states. There's three in the top 10. I'm adding Jenny Kilty because Jenny got 11th at Western states to make four four from Western states who are coming back at CCC. This is cool because, you know, they're coming back. They're dropping down in distance. It's going to be a shorter time uh, in terms of the time on feet 
the race. That's exciting. You know, we got Eden Nelson, Priscilla Forgey, who got eighth, Emily Hoggood, who got fifth. Emily has done the Western States UTMB double twice. So in top 10 twice and top 10, like Emily is actually one of the more consistent Western States UTMB doublers. We'll have to go back and see if anyone's even successfully done it three times in a row. But Emily's and she's been in Chamonix the last two to three weeks. She's getting ready. Yeah. For specific. And then Jenny Kilty was 11th at Western States and is running CCC. Ida DNF'd at CCC last year. Yep. I don't believe Priscilla or Jenny have run CCC debuts okay. yeah like this time last year priscilla was doing the squamish 50 50 and emily has only run utmb so a lot of lot of like rookies to this double that will be interesting to see exciting though i mean i think like priscilla uh Forgy is kind of on a tear you know kind of shocked the world at canyons uh finishing behind ida and then everyone wondering like oh now she has to go and run her first hundred miler at Western States so soon to getting your golden ticket at Canyons and then followed it up with a top 10 at Western States. So I hope that the ball is still rolling because Priscilla is setting herself up to have a good day at CCC. Yeah. And, uh, had her on the pod for previous interview, uh, in, in, in as, uh, optimistic and positive a way as possible, like to has a seemingly carefree, attitude to the sport in the sense that I don't think she gets too riled up or stressed out about numbers Mm -hmm. or doesn't seem like too much anxiety about races, like just like loves the sport and is relatively new to it and likes the community and just seems like there's a lot of good vibes that sustain her as opposed to getting too deep into like wondering about the competition or wondering about her stature. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't get the sense that there's much anxiety attached to how she approaches these races. So, and I think that's a, a, a weapon. It's an asset to have it's in all of these. Good. So, yeah. And I would argue she still slightly has that random baller label attached to her. Um, yeah. This is all still very new. The, it's all very new. It's all happening very fast. This is, you know, month, maybe four or five of, you know, what more widespread name recognition in the sport. So, yeah. Yep. Definitely. Um, going outside of the Western States, UTMB doublers, you know, another, I think, prominent name, veteran of the sport. Someone who's had a little bit of bad luck at UTMB the last few years is Audrey uh, Tenge from France. Um, you know, very accomplished ultra runner, um, very wide range, has a, a run some flat races as well, very fast. Two time TDS champ, sixth at Worlds in Thailand, 10th at Worlds in Austria. But DNFs in the 2021 and 2022 UTMB. So switching it up, not going third times a charm at UTMB, trying a different distance at CCC. You know, after running two successful worlds, maybe CCC is more in the current pocket of her uh, ability levels in terms of like what her best event is at the moment. The only thing that I'm curious about, which I've written down, is just the amount of cycling that she's done recently in her Strava. The only thing that has me like, so I'm suspicious about that because like the volume is high, but a lot of it's biking. The running parts are like all workouts. So like what's, I would love to hear more about that. Maybe there's runs that we're hiding or maybe this is the 
the secret sauce of like all my easy aerobic minutes are on the bike and like everything I run is just hard. I wish that Strava had a feature where it didn't disclose the training they were doing, but at the very least it could tell you there's more than meets the eye. There's, there is stuff that they are for whatever reason, intentionally withholding it would, it, it would add some really good context. Yeah. Like a, a where's a, a hide my run a little bit button on Strava, not to make it <laughs> private, but like make it semi private. Like let's make this run translucent. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome who else is okay. interesting um i mean a couple more eleanor davis who this will like it looks like it'll be one of if not her first races above the 50k distance uh has had a lot of success at uh, occ in the past or i should say eighth at occ last year again mostly dabbled in the 50k and short distance stuff throughout her career but is talented I've always felt Ingvild Kasperson could have a really good day here. Tough day mm-hmm. here last year, relatively, but strong track record in the mountains. And then Emily Forsberg. Emily uh, is a wild card. Is a wild card. I, I don't know. I really don't know what to expect here. If we were talking five or six years ago, I would have said potential winner of the race, but mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, I was looking back on Emily's racing history and it's been very like short races very like recently for quite some time the last time she tried 100k was ccc in 2019 that was a dnf um but she did just get eighth at worlds in austria in the short course which was like about a marathon that could be a nice stepping stone towards ccc so i'm really curious to see what what emily does and like one thing i sent you this which we were like this is going in a future long run archives episode was emily forsberg won the 2012 north face 50 mile which was yeah. 11 years ago at this point and she won that over stephanie howe uh by like just a couple minutes and i just thought that was really cool i wrote in my notes hashtag longevity that's pretty <laughs> i think that's just cool we don't see too much of that of like Winning the North Face 50 mile, which, you know, is, is a, was an iconic, iconic 50 mile, rest in peace, North Face 50 mile, San Francisco or Marin. But yeah, that's, that's going to be cool to see, to see Emily and the energy she brings to the, this race. Uh, we should pull up these eight station fireball stats that I think are Yeah, I've got some interesting. stuff written down in terms of like success. So this was interesting. And I don't know if that's just because similar to like what we were saying in the UTMB episode, we haven't seen cumulative years of very deep fields yet. So like these stats are kind of weird. And I think that might just be because we haven't seen as many years of super hyper competitive fields. And I bet these numbers look a lot different, but at Champagne lock and Trient, you know, and uh, let me pull up the course map. So Champagne lock is about halfway through the race. And then Trient is 70 K into the hundred K. So like 70% of the way through at both of those checkpoints, statistically speaking if you want to win the race you need to be with the leaders like Mm -hmm. the you know before we said like we've the stat that aid station fireball is as populated for us was like looking at the people that won the race where they were relative to these aid stations how far back could you be from the leader at 
pretty much every CCC, if you're wanting to win it on the women's side, you need to be in the lead or coming through these aid stations with the leader if you want to win, which I thought was very fascinating how it was basically like, you need to front run if you're winning this race. The the statistic Um, gets more normal for podium and top 10, but I don't know if you had anything to add about that in terms of if you want to win. No, I think, uh, what else do you got? So as with some of the other races, if you want to podium, you got to roll the dice a little bit, but you can run your way onto the podium from a little bit further back. So at Champagne Lock, if you want to be on the podium, you can't be more than 19 minutes back from the lead. And at Trient, if you want to be on the podium, you can't be more than 22 minutes back from the lead, which that makes sense. I mean, you only have like 30K left at that point. If you want to be in the top 10 at Champagne Lock, you can't be more than an hour back from the leader. And at Trient, if you want to be in the top 10, you can't be more than 80 minutes back from the leader. That's more in line, like more parallel with men's CCC men's UTMB, women's UTMB. The one that I just thought was like a weird outlier was just how much, if you want to win the women's CCC race, you have to be at the very front of the field, according to the numbers. Yep. There's been no come for behind victories ever. (laughs) It's amazing how aggressive the the women's races, both at CCC and and UTMB ultimately are at the very, very front. Mm -hmm. Comparatively, there have been races as late as last year, 2022 at UTB, for example, that weren't decided until after Valor's scene. Yeah. Um, and it's all very interesting. And to, I guess, and to back up the stat of if you want to win CCC on the women's side, you have to be aggressive and lead and be in the lead the whole time. Blandine last year, wire to wire victory from start to finish. Like wire to wire. she continued to f- factualize that statistic. So I'm I'm curious to see like like we'll take we'll be taking notes whoever's in the lead through the first aid station or whoever's in that lead group if there is one through the first aid station we can very much just expect that the winner is coming out of that group. You know, I didn't realize factualize was a word and I looked it up and it actually is. That's awesome. Oh, I that's a new word today. That's good because I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you my top 5 and top Americans. I'll start with top Americans. I have my strongest bets on Helen, Allison, Emily, Aaron, and Tara. I think five women could reliably end up in the top 10 from the U.S. for this race. I think this will be, if we look at Utimbi men, Utimbi women, CCC men, CCC women, I think just based on gender, if we're not doing a combination, I mm-hmm. think the U.S. will be the most well-represented in the top 10 at CCC. Fifth, I have Emily Schmitz from the U.S. Fourth, I have Allison Bacher from the U.S. Third, Helen Mino Faulkner from the U.S. Uh, second, I have Rosanna Bukauer. And first, I have Eda Nielsen. And I'm really stoked on her right now. I think that this will uh, this will be another win for her. And I think when you combine that with what she did at Canyons, pretty strong showing at Western. She's put together a really good year. I think it's to some extent kind of a comeback year or a reaffirmation of how good she is. And I think given the distance at CCC, it might not be the end of her season either. We could maybe see something Mm -hmm. in late October, somewhere between there and early December to tack on. This UTMB coverage is also brought to you by Brooks. I first started using their products, especially the Cascadia 8, way back in 2014 during a thru-hike of the Appalachian Trail. 
Fast forward to 2023, and they have a new and improved Cascadia 17 shoe and a high point clothing collection that merges great performance and style. Check it all out over at brooksrunning.com forward slash single track. Also, thanks to Morton, I've been using their hydrogels and 225C bars and caffeine drink mixes during all my key training runs and races this summer. It's sports nutrition made with all natural ingredients that go down easy and minimize palate fatigue so you can trust them during your longest efforts. Keep in mind, these are the same products used by top athletes like Tom Evans and Killian Jornet, so head over to Morton.com to take a look at what they got and try some yourself. Finally, thanks to Features, makers of my favorite trail running socks. They're durable, they're comfortable, and they're stylish, and again, these are also trusted by many of the best athletes in our sport. If you'd like to give them a try, head over to their website, grab a few pairs, and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout for 20% off your next order. With that, let's get back to the show. One thing I forgot to say about Ida that I was curious if you knew. Did you know that Ida just won? Oh, shoot. What's Ultravasen. Ultravasen. Like, yeah. Like a week ago. I know. Do you think that leaves her tired at all for CCC? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe she's in a position similar to Courtney where it's like you don't know how many matches you burned yet in your career and you're sort of in that like you're in a portion of your prime and why not just like keep going because like if if not now when looking at Strava it doesn't look like it took anything out of her like perhaps this could be a case where it was more of a glorified long run the only time I've ever seen Ida, granted, I've only seen Ida one time in person and it was from far away. The only time I've seen her remotely like recovering was when we saw her on her bike in Flagstaff that during Cocodona week. Which was right after Canyons. Which was right after yeah, Canyons. Yeah, it was right after Canyons. Yeah. And yeah, you've got, you've got an American squad up there in the top five. American squad. Uh, sorry, who was your top American again? In third, top American is Helen Helen Mino Faulkner in third. Okay, and um, yeah, I think I think what I'm imagining is similar to what we saw from the American men in the 80k trail champs this year, where it was like in succession Zach Miller, uh, Eric Lapuma, and Drew Holman just like taking care of biz fifth through seventh. And I think I'm predicting a similar three through five experience for the Mm, American women here. That would be cool. That would be cool to see. I'm not as optimistic as you. Someone's got to be, someone's got to be. So I agree. I think there is going to be like an American contingent that squads up and runs strong through the race, but I think it's going to be them in the around 10th spot, similar to last year, because we had like this whole crew, like right from like, you know, 10th to 15th. I think that there's going to be a crew that's going to be similar to that, but I think the lone american getting into the top five kind of like going out harder than that crew and then never coming back is helen mino faulkner you know wheezy f baby the f is for faulkner (laughs) i think franchise and faulkner i think helen is to a point where like she's done two shorter mountain races this year shorter than ccc so like the aggressive start won't seem as much of a shock and then I think I, yeah. think I think Helen's just really fit this year. So then it'll be a matter of like, oh, this doesn't feel too bad. I'm already up here. I'm just going to roll with it. And then she's just not going to get tired. So I think fifth, I think Helen Mino Faulkner is going to get fifth. 
And I think that's going to be an amazing result. That is my only American in the top five. I do have two other Americans in the top 10. Um, I think Alison Baca and Emily Schmitz get into the top 10. I, I'm, I just, I, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, of like Allison, Emily, Tara, Aaron Clark, Hannah Allgood. I, yeah. I kind of just picked two. Like I just went for, with my gut and picked two. Um, I just, I, yeah, st- statistically, I don't know if all of them are going to have great days. It's just hard for the stars to align like that. I mean, fortunately our flag has 50 of them, but you know that's just that's where i'm at fourth place i have just like the set it and forget it but not actually forget it emily hoggan i think emily is gonna be like so pleasantly surprised that it's just a little bit quicker running and 40 miles shorter than utmb and through the day that'd be her biggest result to date i think i think so i think emily's ready for it uh and you know like 2022 Western States was, I think a big tipping point for Emily, like going out in the lead with Ruth Croft. Um, you know, I don't think Western States this year just quite materialized the way she wanted to, but that confidence has got to still be there. And Emily just brings such a good energy and such a good vibe to the sport. I think this is yep. going to be a good one for, her. and then I've got Rosanna, uh, Buchauer in third, Eden Nilsson in second. And then I've got the boomer bust Azara Garcia winning the race. I, 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 I noticed that you went for the bust. She is the storm. Yeah. I'm going, I think the storm Azara Garcia probably, I don't know if it's going to be called wire to wire. Cause I think people will be with her, but I think she will be in the lead from start to finish and win the race. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Brett, we just, we did it. We, we wrapped up probably five ish, six ish, maybe hours of, uh, UTMB and CCC men's and women's previews. This has been kick ass. Cannot thank you enough. Uh, I think we, we may end up doing some sort of watch party hours on YouTube live during CCC and UTMB. We'll, we'll do something, you know, on the discord channel, and on Instagram, et cetera, um, just kind of putting the bad signal out there for exactly what the time frames will be. But mm-hmm. I'm super stoked on that. And then, yeah, we'll be we'll be back at it too after the races, shortly after the races, doing some sort of recap commentary. But uh, I'm super stoked. I think I said it before our UTMB men's preview that this is my favorite time of the year. I'm saying it here again, and I'm glad that we get to sit in our battle station studios and and watch the state-of-the-art live stream right now it's really cool what utb can pull off with 5g etc yeah i gotta i gotta build out a new studio in the living room for this watch party i gotta set up the camera out there because i'm not watching utmb from an office chair i'm watching it from my couch so i gotta figure out like i gotta get one of those tables to like tv dinner tables to like roll my computer (laughs) over my lap while i have the live stream going on my computer and We'll figure out some camera angles. Yeah, it could be, it could be cool. This is gonna be fun. 